Hello everyone, I'm Colin Ellis and for 30 years I was a permanent employee of other people's cultures. What I wanted to know more than anything else during that time was how to build a great culture myself. And so I wrote a book called Culture Fix, which is the world's first how-to guide for building great workplace culture. And in this, the Culture Makers podcast, I get industry leaders from around the world to expand on the ideas that I wrote about in the book and get them to share actionable things that you can do to create a great place to work yourself. And remember, listening is good, but action is better. Just a quick production note. This podcast was recorded under COVID-19 lockdown restrictions. Um, We experienced a heavy hailstorm during the recording, so you will notice a dip in audio quality around the seven to nine minute mark. Hello everybody and welcome to another Culture Makers podcast. Today I'm joined by Alicia Aitken. Alicia is the Head of Investment Management and Delivery at Australia New Zealand Bank based in Melbourne, Australia. Alicia is a senior executive with international experience and a proven track record of strategy execution, having held a range of roles in publicly listed companies, private sector and not-for-profit organizations. Hello Alicia, how hey, are Colin, you? Hey I'm great. And so we're doing this on the phone, but you're literally just around the corner from me, which we hadn't realized until, what, maybe three, four months ago, something like that? true. We are just around the corner, but uh, it's good that we've got technology to get together. Absolutely. I'll start with a little bit of your background, if I can, find out a little bit uh, about you, where where you were born, kind of your early role. So was Sydney home originally, Alicia? Sydney was home originally. Uh, Melbourne is most definitely home now, though. So growing up in Sydney, do you uh, do you go to university? If so, what did you study at university? And then how did that lead into your, your first job? So my first degree was in business and pure mathematics. So pure mathematics was my absolute passion, uh, but business sounded like a more employable degree to be getting. So uh, first year, uh, they were teaching us a whole bunch of frameworks, models, all of that sort of stuff. And I was thinking, you know what, is this just theory or does it actually work? And so, you know, the best way to test a business degree is start a business, right? So I started a business. Um, I had no idea what I could do, but I had heard my best friend's uh, boss talking about the fact that they wanted a website and they didn't know how and they didn't have any money. So I, uh, I went and approached them and said, look, I'll do your website for free if you give me the rights to sell your product online. And um, to my surprise, they said yes, uh, at which point um, I had my first job, which also happened to be my first business. And I went about learning how to do web programming and, and created the first online store for selling specialty coffee in Australia. Um, it was, and it was great. Uh, we didn't sell very much because this was, you know, late nineties. Very few people had the internet. Online shopping wasn't really a thing, but I had some web development skills at that point, which let me start a web development business. And so I guess that was my first job. Oh my God. So, so you were doing online shopping back when the internet was a baby, basically. basically. Uh, and, and, and like online coffee, that's just huge now. Like so far ahead of the curve. Oh, it's ridiculous. So far ahead of the curve because most of Australia was still drinking instant coffee at that point. So this idea of flat whites, lattes, espresso had not hit our shores yet. Many, many lessons in what not to do in starting a business. Uh, timing, timing. 
timing is everything sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but great to get that uh, that early ground in, like straight into startups. I mean, that's such a fabulous grounding then for what became a really, or what is, sorry, a really successful career. And so what, where did you go after that? What, you know, kind of what was that next so step? Everything just rolled. Like uh, when I started the first business, it was literally an experiment. I had every plan to run the experiment, finish my degree, um, close the business down. And I had every expectation I would get a job in a bank and I would climb the corporate ladder and one day be a banking executive. And so to my great surprise, um, <laughs> the ending to my current story is that, but the, the journey to get there was a little bit different. So the obviously the coffee business took a little while to take off while that was happening. The web development business took off and one of my clients was doing her PhD in how to assess project manager competence. And once she finished her degree, we actually commercialized her research into a business together. And so I had my first business partner and we spent the next 15 odd years building that business into a global project management competency assessment business, both for individual project managers and organizations and helping them go on the journey of implementing their strategies through projects, programs and portfolios, learning from one another, learning from us, us learning from them. It was uh, it was great. So everything was really organic. I didn't ever end up, I mean, along the way I closed businesses, uh, but I never closed the businesses. It took me a long time to close the businesses and get a job. But that was sort of how we got uh, how we got into project management, which after pure mathematics uh, became my next great love. Um, I really enjoy understanding what the strategy is of an organization, helping shape that into change programs and supporting them in delivering them, which has brought um, immense learnings over the years, which has just been so fantastic. Really great journey. I think, you know, people kind of forget in a way that the way that we deliver, strate- deliver strategy is through our business as usual activity, but also the new stuff uh, that we that we deliver through projects. And projects is a, is a way that we've connected. We've known each other probably for the last five years or something like that. Uh, and it was, it was through projects and this determination to improve the way that projects are delivered. And so thinking back to those early days, Alicia, do you think, do you think as a world that we've matured and we've got better at projects? Do you think we've, we've still got some way to go? Do you think we're still making some of the same mistakes that we, we've made in the past? Oh, look, I think we've come leaps and bounds. It's easy to forget how little we knew 20, 30 years ago um, because it becomes ingrained in, in our DNA. But in terms of structuring work, thinking through, understanding how people and behaviours and culture affects your ability to get stuff done has really come come a really long way. Obviously, we've still got a ways to go. Projects do fail um, and I think they'll always fail because the nature of projects is you're trying to do something you haven't done before and if you always got that right the way you thought it was going to go, you would you wouldn't be trying hard enough. You wouldn't be doing things that were that different, that they'd actually shift our nation or our culture or our society. And so failure is inherent in projects. Uh, but I think there's still there's still a long way to go um, in what we can actually achieve. It's, it's such a great point. I think people forget that. Um, and so I think it's, it's great that you reiterated that is in order to have successful projects, you have to have a bunch that fail along the way. And it, it's about having the maturity. It's about having the decision making capability. It's about kind of looking back and saying this no longer aligns with what we want to achieve strategically. It's time to stop it. Right. And I And I think that from a senior management perspective, what we're looking for is the courage to be able to do that from time to time. It's so true. And I think it's the ability 
to make the best decision you can make with the information you have at the time. If you can do that and you can do that with confidence and lead your team to get the best out of them, then you've done everything you could to achieve what you wanted to achieve. Now, if it doesn't work out, understand why it didn't work out and move on. Try again. And and so um, so you set up the project management business. That's great. Now you went. You worked in. You lived and worked in London for a while, didn't you? You you were over in my motherland for a while. Was that around about that time? By the time we'd grown the project management business, we had operations in London. So we were based out of London. Um, we had a European business. We had a North American business, uh, Middle East and African business, and an Asia Pacific business. So. For a while, I was based out of uh, England, but I basically spent my life on a plane. Every six weeks, I was around the world going from region to region, and that just ramped up when I went from managing business to being the CEO of our global business, which I did for a, a number of years. It was, a, it was a privilege to be able, and especially now in, in the times that we, we're living in now, to know but I had a time in my life where I was able to travel the world almost constantly. Um, mm. So it was great. What I've gained from travel, because I didn't travel much, and I've certainly travelled a lot in the last five years, is you get you gain different perspectives, you gain different understandings, you you're able to see different cultural nuances, which I think that you know, kind of when you're locked in the one place, you often miss. And and so in that time, you'll have seen different challenges in different countries, which would have informed your thinking and helped you to grow. Is that fair That's to say? Absolutely fair to say. There is nothing that prepares you for embracing diversity than immersing yourself in it constantly, in everything that is different to the way you see the world. And if you can see the world through someone else's eyes, it it adds so much to your ability to get things done by working with other people. I, I have been truly blessed with how much diversity I've been able to experience. And so early on in your career when you uh, were, were at the startup and obviously then you matured the business, you had your own project management business, you're traveling around the world. At this stage, is, is culture, the way that you do things, is that uppermost in your mind, Alicia? Is, that, is your thinking evolving? Are you starting to see kind of what's the most important thing for the longevity of a business? No, it was really interesting. We were really clear about the kind of business we wanted to run and we didn't think of it in terms of culture. We didn't think about it um, in any other terms other than what would make us happy and what made us happy was having a small smallish group of people who really uh, liked working together who were all of the same caliber of capability even if our skills were different who talked to one another really understood each other as people so that when we were working together, because we had to work in some pretty um, odd environments at times, um, is that was the business that we wanted to run. We didn't want to run an empire. We didn't want to have hundreds of thousands of employees. We wanted to do have a really nice, tight business that was enjoyable for us to be part of every day. Looking back with hindsight, um, it was definitely, we were really clear on the culture we wanted, um, but we didn't use those terms back then um, like I didn't call myself a, a tech startup founder uh, when I started my first business. I would now. Um, but, yeah, you know, when you're in it, you don't have the language for it. That's right. You know, we, we, you know, we never used the words emotional intelligence. We never talked about 
you know, culture we talked about. We talked in terms of teamwork. We talked in terms of happiness, belonging sometimes. I, we talked about that early on. Um, and I think uh, that's a really great point that you make is that if you can strive for happiness, that also encourages those conversations that you have to have that might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, it it kind of sets the foundation for what it means to be a good teammates, you know, uh, to be able to work with other people. And also maybe how you need to change your style to suit the the, the people that you're working with. And that's something that you would have seen, particularly in projects as well, the importance of teamwork. Is that right? Projects is quintessential sort of testing ground for teamwork and culture. It's because you get new teams forming every time you start a project, even if it's within the same company, it's never the same grouping of people. You've got to find ways to create a bond that makes it workable so that you can achieve what you need to achieve, knowing that you're about to go on a journey that will have really high points, but also a lot of low points. There's always challenges on projects. And if you don't have really strong teams and a really strong culture, you won't survive. So true. Now, we met in, uh, you spoke at an event, uh, 2014, I want to say late 2014. I know you were the chief project officer for Telstra, which is a telecommunications company here in, in, in Australia. And you spoke with so much passion about projects that I hadn't really heard. You know, a lot of the conferences I'd been to, there were a lot of people stood at podiums talking in a very mechanical way. And you talk passionately about projects exactly like you did there. And so in, in the role at, at Telstra, were you able to bring some of that passion impart, imparted onto others and then really as a, as a function grow and learn from each oh, other? The role at Telstra was such a gift. Um, by that, And the reason I, I got the role was we had some lovely Americans had come along and um, very surprisingly bought our business. And so for the first time I was free when a former client had asked me to join them at Telstra and be their first chief project officer. And, and we'd never had a chief project officer in Australia before. And so there was no playbook for the role. There was no role description. And so what I was able to do was shape that into what I wanted it to be. And what I wanted it to be and what Telstra needed it to be was someone who cared passionately about the work, the work that projects deliver, the value it offers the nation, because as the major telco here, it, it runs the country in terms of the network. If Telstra doesn't get up in the morning, the country can't get up and work. And so we we were doing amazing things that people, even inside the company, had just forgotten that how amazing the work they were doing was and the life-changing impacts that their projects would have on our nation, that if I could bring my passion for projects and inspire them to just remember how valuable their work is, then that would be a good use of my time. And for three beautiful years, I was afforded the opportunity to be that person, to be the person who reminded everybody at Telstra just how important their work was and how important it was that they continued to get better at delivery because a nation was counting on them to be better. And then after those three years, then on to uh, Australia, New Zealand, or ANZ Bank as, as they're known here, which I'm assuming, obviously, different kind of organization, different set of challenges, but ultimately, the way that projects are delivered, I'm assuming, you know, and, and this is based on things that you kind of conversations that we've had and, and speeches that you've given, is the fundamentals aren't that different obviously the content is different of the projects um but the fundamentals aren't that different would you agree with oh, that completely agree with that i mean 
mean, telco and banking, two totally different industries, uh, but the the way in which people come together to deliver on a customer outcome, that doesn't change. And so the passion you can bring to a telco project is exactly the same as you can bring to a banking project. And and when I joined banking, it was a very exciting time with lots of opportunity in terms of how could we be better and do better by our customers. And a lot of that is through project work. Now, across your career, say that's the role you're in right now, I mentioned at the start, Head of Investment Management and Delivery, worked with lots of people with lots of different experience in lots of countries. What, what, have, what have you learned that you bring into your culture building now? Because I, I know anecdotally, so I can say this about you, that you build great teams that people want to be part of, which is obviously why you're on the podcast. So what, what is it that you've learned that you bring with you? What are those, I guess, practical things that people could learn and say, okay, well, what What's that one or two things that Alicia's learned that I could do? I think there's two things. There's so many things that I've learned um, from other people, but the two that really stick with me every single day, the first is truly caring about the people that you work with. And because if you truly care about them and you're really curious to understand who they are as people, then you'll be driven to find out not just what they can do for you, but what they want out of life. What can you do to help them achieve their goals? And then also what can you learn from them? And just by caring, really caring about who they are as people, you will build the bonds that you need to form really great teams. Uh, And so as a leader, I I try um, with all my new teams and every new team member, we take time out where I just spend time asking them about what are their hopes and dreams in life and be trying to be really open to listening to what that is. So not what what is the job they do for me or do for the project, but what do they want out of life? And it's amazing if you take the time to really listen how much people value that and, and you learn so much along the way. The second thing, uh, and I learned this from a, a beautiful lady that I worked with, and I don't think I do it nearly as well as her, but I do try, um, and it's grace under pressure. The, the work of projects, the work of investment management, it, it has its highs, but it has its lows, and all through it is a high-pressure job where people all around feel the strain and if you can be calm through that storm and be that safe harbor for them to come and seek refuge they will they will value that they will be calmer they will make better decisions as a team and and you will have a greater chance of being successful together so I think those are the two things just truly caring about the people that you work with and and grace under pressure. And what's fascinating to me, Alicia, is, is, is in every conversation that I have about culture, wherever they are in the world, whatever their role, it always comes back to that sense of safety for people. It comes back to that, uh, the ability for people to be the best version of themselves, the need for continual empathy, growth and learning. So would you say these are the hallmarks of, of, of culture, certainly throughout your career? And then if, if so, what are you doing to stay, I guess, relevant going forward and, and kind of enhancing your own continual learnings? I'd absolutely agree. I, culture for me is a product of the people in the community. And it, it, it grows as they grow. It, it's shaped by the external environments that, 
teams are working within, but it's all about the people in the in the team or the community and so making sure that that's that team those people that community is always growing and thriving is is really important I think to growing culture for me personally uh it's the same as it's always been I am constantly seeking out new people to work with new people to learn from trying new things, seeing if I can see the world through someone else's eyes. It's um, it's so easy, especially in large corporates, to get very fixed um, and siloed. You can get very caught up in your own organisation. So I try and make sure that I continue to do the volunteer work that I do um, so that I'm working with different organisations. So I do a lot of work with the Global Alliance for the Project Professions. Uh, I chair the board for the International Centre for Complex Project Management, but I'm also really active with the um, Australian Institute of Project Management, the Project Management Institute in America. There's a whole bunch of organisations in my industry that have that give me access to a really wide range of people to talk to, learn from and grow with. And so I think it's really important that I continue to do those things. Alicia, that's absolutely fabulous. Um, always inspired to hear other people's stories and what other people are doing. Um, you're doing great work. I, I know because people tell me. Uh, and I want to say a big thank you for joining us on the Culture Maker podcast today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Please remember to subscribe or share the link on your social media platform of choice, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you hang out. You can also forward it onto your colleagues and friends and help them to inspire and motivate others too. Better still, why not keep the conversation going and join our community of culture makers from around the world who share information on the things that have worked and haven't worked. You can do that at www.culturefixcommunity.com and remember, sharing is caring. See you next time.